0: SECTION 6 OF THE MYSTERIES OF LONDON, VOLUME 2 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeremiah Sutherland, Victoria, British Columbia. THE MYSTERIES OF LONDON, VOLUME 2 By George W. M. Reynolds Gibbet. A fortnight had passed since the incidents just related. It was a Monday morning. The clock of St. Giles's had just struck six when the faint flickering gleam of a candle struggled through the uppermost windows of the hangman's house. The few persons who were passing along at that hour and on that dark winter's morning shuddered as they caught a glimpse of the sickly glare through the obscurity and the mist, for they thought within themselves the executioner is up early on account of the man that's to be hanged at eight o'clock, and such was indeed the case. Smithers rose shortly before six and having lighted the solitary candle that stood upon the mantel, proceeded to the floor below to call his son. "'Gibbet, you lazy hound,' he cried, thundering with his fist at the door of the humpback's room. "'Get up!' "'I'm getting up, father,' replied the lad from the interior of the chamber. "'Well, make haste about it,' said the executioner, in a savage tone. He then returned to the loft. There was something horribly fantastic in the appearance of that place the dim and sickly light of the candle did but little more than redeem from complete obscurity the various strange objects which we have already described but as the penetrating eye of the executioner plunged into the visible darkness of the loft and beheld the ominous figure balancing beneath the beam while its mask of a livid white hue wore a ghastly appearance in contrast with the black body and limbs which it surmounted no sentiment of horror nor of alarm agitated his heart the avocations of the man had brutalized him, and blunted every humane feeling which he had once possessed. He walked up and down the room impatiently for several minutes, until the door opened and his son entered. The hideous countenance of the lad was ghastly pale, and distorted with horror. His eyes glared fearfully, as if terrific apparitions flitted before them. "Gibbet," said his father, "'you shall try your hand this morning on a living being instead of a puppet.' "'This morning,' repeated the lad, his teeth chattering and his knees knocking together. "'To be sure. Didn't I tell you so last night?' cried the executioner. "'Why, you humpback scoundrel! You—you you ought to have prayed that no reprieve might be sent for the chap that's to be tucked up this morning, instead of working yourself up to this state of cowardly nervousness. But I'll take it out of you, I will.' With these words Smithers seized his leathern thong, and was advancing towards the humpback when the wretched lad threw himself on his knees, clasped his hands together and cried no don't father don't i can't bear that lash you don't know how it hurts i'll do all you tell me well that's speaking proper that is said the executioner dropping the already uplifted thong it's all for your good that i use it now and then gibbet. don't i want to make a man of you look at the money you can earn if you'll only make yourself a name like me d'ye think the sheriffs throughout england would all apply to me to do their work for them if I wasn't celebrated for my skill? Why, even the criminals themselves must look upon it as a regular blessing to have such a knowing hand as me to tie their last cravat for them. I'll bet a pound that the man who's to be turned off presently isn't half as miserable as people think. Cause, why, he's well aware that I shan't put him to no pain. I know you've got a great name in your business, father. We'll call it a profession in future, Gibbet. It's more genteel. And after all, it's as good as a barrister's for the barrister gets the man hanged, and I hang him. That's all the difference. I know it's a very respectable, father," resumed the lad submissively, but, still, I... "'Still what?' cried Smithers savagely, and taking up the thong again. "'Nothing, nothing, father,' faltered Gibbet. "'So much the better. Now come to the model and take and pinion the figure, "'cause that's what I mean you to do presently down at Newgate. "'Begin by degrees, as the saying is, "'You shall pinion this man to-day, you shall let the drop fall for the next, and you shall put the halter on the one that comes arter him, whoever he may be.' "'Must I pin in, Eon, the man this morning, father?' inquired the lad, the workings of whose countenance were now absolutely terrific. "'Must you, of course you must,' answered Smithers. "'Why, what the devil are you snivelling at now? I'd wager a crown to a brass farthing that there's many a young nobleman who'd give fifty pounds to be able to do it.' look how they hire the winders opposite newgate lord bless their souls it does me good to think that the aristocracy and gentry patronizes hanging as well as the other fine arts what would become of the executioners if they didn't why the legislature would abolish capital punishment at once gibbet clasped his hands together and raised his eyes in an imploring manner as much to say oh how i wish they would fortunately for him his father did not perceive this expression of emotion for the executioner had approached the candle to the model gallows, and was now busily occupied in arranging the figure for his son's practice. "'I'll tell you who are the patrons of my business—profession, I mean,' continued the executioner, and if you had a grain of feeling for your father, you'd go down on your knees night and morning and pray for them. The old tories and the clergy are my friends—and thank God, I'm a stanch tory, too. I hate changes. What have changes done? why swept away the good old laws that used to hang a man for stealing anything above forty shillings ah george the third was the best king we ever had he used to tuck em up three four five six ay seven at once folks may well talk of the good old times when an executioner could make his twenty or thirty guineas of a morning i'd sooner take two guineas for each man under such an excellent system than have the ten pounds as i do now while Smithers was thus talking, he had lowered the figure until it stood upon the drop. He then took off the halter. But the puppet still retained its upright position, because it was well stiffened, and had heavy plates of lead fastened to the soles of its feet. "'Now what a cry the rascally radical Sunday papers make against the people they call the saints,' continued Smithers, as he unfastened the cord which pinioned the arms of the puppet. "'And yet those very saints are the ones that are most in favour of punishment of death,' For my part, I adore the saints, I do. When Fitzmorris Shelley brought forward his measure to do away with capital penalty, didn't Dingliss and Cherry Tree and all those pious men make a stand against him? And don't they know what's right and proper? Of course they do. Ah! I never read so much of House of Commons business before as I did then. But I was in a precious fright, it's true. I thought of calling a public meeting of all the executioners in the kingdom to petition Parliament against the measure but I didn't do it, because the House of Commons might have thought that we was interested. Smithers paused for a moment and contemplated the puppet and the model gallows with great admiration. He had fashioned the one and built the latter himself, and he was not a little proud of his handiwork. Now come, gibbet, he at length exclaimed, it's all ready. Do you hear me, you infernal humpback? And if I am a humpback, father, returned the lad, bursting into tears, you know... "'What?' cried the executioner, his countenance assuming an expression truly ferocious. "'You know that it isn't my fault,' added the unfortunate youth, shrinking from the glance of his savage parent. "'None of this nonsense, Gibbet,' said the man, a little softened by the reminiscence that he himself had made his son the object of the very reproach leveled against his personal deformity. "'Come and try your hand at this work for a few minutes before breakfast, and then we'll go down yonder together.' Gibbet approached the model gallows, but his countenance still denoted the most profoundly rooted disgust and abhorrence. "'Let's suppose that the culprit is as yet in his own cell, Gibbet,' continued the executioner. "'Well, it's time to pinion him, we'll say. There's the sheriff's standing there. And here's the chaplain. Now you go forward and begin.' Gibbet took the whipcord which his father handed to him. "'That's right.' Now, you won't bounce up to the poor devil just like a wild elephant. Remember that he's more or less in an interesting situation, as the ladies say. You'll rather glide behind him and insinuate the cord between his arms, whispering at the same time, beg pardon. Mind and don't forget that, because we're under an obligation to him to some extent, as he's the means of putting money in our pocket, and we get the reversion of his clothes. Here Gibbet cast a hasty but terrified glance towards his father's attire ah i know what you're looking at youngster said smithers with a coarse laugh you want to see if i've got on my usual toggery to be sure i have i wear it as a compliment to the gentlemen that were to operate on this morning this coat was the one that pegsworth cut his last fling in this waistcoat was greenacre's and these breeches was william lees's but go on we mustn't waste time in this way gibbet approached the puppet and endeavored to manipulate the string as his father instructed him but his hand trembled so convulsively that he could not even pass it between the arms of the figure while he was still fumbling with the cord and vainly endeavouring to master his emotions the leathern thong descended with tremendous violence upon his back an appalling cry burst from the poor lad but the executioner only showered down curses on his head at length gibbet contrived through fear of another blow to pinion the figure in a manner satisfactory to his brutal parent there exclaimed smithers I shall make something of you at last what virtue there must be in an old bit of leather it seems to put the right spirit into you at all events well that's all you shall do this morning down at newgate and mind and do it as if the thong was hanging over your head or it will be all the worse for you when we get home try and keep up the credit of your father's name and show the sheriffs and the chaplain how you can trust their pigeon for them they always take great notice they do last time there was an execution the chaplain says to me, says he, Smithers, I don't think you had your hand nicely in this morning. Don't you, sir, says I? No, says he. I've seen you do it more genteel than that. Well, sir, says I, I'll do my best to please you next time. Ah, do, there's a good fellow, Smithers, says the chaplain, and off he goes to breakfast with the sheriffs and governor, smacking his lips at the idea of the cold fowl and ham that he meant to pitch into. But I only mention that anecdote to show you how close the authorities take notice, that's all. So mind and do your best, boy." Yes, father, returned to Gibbet. "'So now we've done the pinioning,' continued Smithers, once more busying himself with the puppet, which he surveyed with an admiration almost amounting to a kind of love. Well, we can suppose that our chap has marched from the cell and has just got on the scaffold. So far, so good. We can't do better than polish him off decently now that he is here proceeded Smithers, alluding to the figure, and rather musing aloud than addressing himself to his son. Now all we've got to do is to imagine that the bells are ringing. There stands the parson, reading the funeral service. Here I am. I take the halter that's already tied nicely round the poor devil's neck, I fix the loop on this hook that hangs down from the beam of the gibbet, then I leave the scaffold, I go underneath, I pull the bolt, and down he falls so. "'Oh, God!' cried Gibbet, literally writhing with mental agony, as the drop fell with a crashing sound, and the jerking noise of the halter met his ear a moment afterwards. "'Now then, coward!' exclaimed the executioner, and again the leathern thong elicited horrible screams from the humpback. The lad was still crying, and his father was in the midst of sundry fearful anathemas leveled against what he called his son's cowardice when a knock was heard at the door of the loft. "'Come in!' shouted the executioner. The invitation was obeyed, and an elderly man, dressed in a shabby suit of black, entered the room with an affected solemnity of gait. End of Gibbet